Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to them, all of these I will give you, and if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we begin hearing who Jesus is, beloved. And then he is sent by God out to meet with the devil. So this is a God journey. You hear that you're beloved of God straight from God. You are beloved. And the devil says, so, if you are, then prove it. Just to set the stage, to learn from this is people of faith, we learn that we are beloved and we have nothing to prove. So when the devil comes and says, prove it. Prove that you're loved by being lovable. That's dangerous. Because we got nothing to prove, but we got much to express. And so pay attention here because these temptations are our temptations. The first temptation is take this rock and turn it into bread. Now, this is only a temptation if you're really hungry. And so he has fasted 40 days and 40 nights, which we know in the Bible, 40 days is uh, 40 is just a long term. So he's been fasting a long time. And he's hungry. Man, if you're the son of God, you shouldn't be hungry. You should be comfortable. Eat. No, comfort is not my number one value. Second temptation. He goes to the top of the temple. Now pay attention. This is in the middle of town so everybody can see it. Throw yourself off, but don't die. Be spectacular. Be special. Be a winner. Because if you are the son of God, then won't you be spectacular? No. The third temptation. Okay, if you're going to be the son of God, you're going to have to fix stuff. And to fix stuff, you're going to have to be in control. So if you bow to me, if you do whatever it takes, I will give you what you're after. This is the ends justify the means. You can have the kingdom of God. You just have to go through dirty ways to get there. And he said, no. My means are my ends. How I am is the way, and how I am will change the world. And it, it, to understand this leadership, from a leadership perspective, which is what I want us to think about, this is different than the other 40 in the desert. Moses got the people out of slavery. He didn't tell them to be good. He didn't tell them to do anything. They were delivered. And then they were on a journey. They had a purpose. They had a calling, but all they did was complain. 
We're so hungry. Okay, manna appears. We're so tired of this manna. Okay, quail appears. All and on and on, complaint after complaint after complaint. I was meeting with Abby this week. We were hanging out. We met halfway between here and Birmingham so that we could be together. And, and she's struggling with leadership. She's Delta, Delta, Delta president. And I tell you, it's challenging for college staffers because when kids come to college, the pressure is to tell a kid, you're going to like it here. <laughs> Nobody says you're going to grow here. You'll be able to accomplish great things. You can change the world. No, this is where you'll be happy. It's a good thing we as churches don't do that. <laughs> what I learned from my time in Nashville was we promised and lied to a whole lot of people. Because we told them, oh, you don't like your old church? Well, you'll like it here. And you know, some people just don't like it anywhere. And so you can't promise them they're going to like it when they may not like it anywhere. And that's true in relationships. That's true in leadership. Those Israelites were not going to be happy even in a land of milk and honey. And so the question is, can you leave them behind or are you responsible for how people feel? I want you to think about this story. This one is one of those stories that sticks out in my mind. And I had to preach for, I don't know what, four years here before I finally got to it. So I'm going to tell it to you now. Because it does. It's going to make you think a little bit. And it's about a young woman who had given much thought and prayer to her life. And she decided that she was called by God to go to this city, this far off city. And so she traveled there. And as she went down the road, she could see the big bridge that goes across into the city. She's walking down the road and she sees that bridge and she realizes she's close. And she doesn't really know why God is calling her there, but she really feels like God is calling her to go there. And as she is going, she walks and she comes up this bridge. And then there's this person coming to her with this rope wrapped around her. And it almost looks like she was looking for it. And so they meet at the top of the bridge and she says, here, hold this. And she gives her the end of the rope. And she makes sure it's secure around her waist. And then she jumps over the edge. And so that rope is spinning and the, the young girl just goes and she grabs and she braces herself. And then the rope hits the thing, almost jerks her over and she takes it. And then she wraps it around herself and then ties it to big night. She says, what are you doing? She says, just hold on. And she's swinging down there below. And she's holding on to that rope like this, going, well, I'm going to try and pull you up. She said, no, no. I don't want you to pull me up. I just want you to hold on. She says, yeah, I'm going to pull you up. You pull back. Climb up. And so she tries to pull it. Oh, the girl's just swinging. And she says, why won't you help me? She says, you just hold on or I'll die. And so she's stuck. Because she feels the rope burning in her hand. She feels it contracting around her waist. She cannot breathe. But here is this person below her. And she feels the city as if it's growing farther away. And so she's got a tough choice. And she says, I need you to help me or I'm going to let go. No, no, don't let go. I'll die. I need you to help me or I'm going to let go. No, 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 she screams out. And she says, okay, here we go. And so she undoes the rope and she lets it go and it goes over. And she hears a splash and she turns and she walks toward the city. 
Now that's a hard story. And we don't know what happens to the woman who got let go. But I'll tell you a couple things to pay attention to just because you're thinking that's not a good preacher story. <laughs> and I'm telling you that's why I waited four years to tell it to you. But it's important. Because you don't know what happened to the woman. But you do know that she was coming with that rope looking like she'd done this a few times before. So she may have finally gotten to a place where she's meeting with a group of people saying, you know, my life had hit a standstill till that woman let go of the rope. You don't know. But you do know that if she stayed there, whatever that calling was, was going to have to go away. The people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years, just complaining the whole time. And apparently I had to just die out before they could go forward. So this story came to me because Abby is in that tough role of being a sorority president in which they are looking to her for leadership. And the leadership, she was in Dallas, and they gave her a book that said, um, the book is entitled um, Leading from the Middle, How to Fight College uh, Group Apathy. And, you know, apathy stuff, that it made me think of a story that there's a, a professor that comes into his class, he writes on the board, the biggest problem with this School is A-P-A-T-H-Y. And one student looks at the other one and says, what's apathy? <laughs> and the other one says, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> the problem for Abby, I think, is that to be in a sorority, you're promised that you will like it here. And that's tough to be a leader, to be responsible for how everybody feels about something. And so their strategy is send out a survey and ask other people what they think. Ask other people what they want to do. Ask other people how they feel about it. And she's struggling with it. And she said, Dad, what do you think about this leading from the middle? And I just laughed. I said, it will eat you alive, my dear. Because you never bring people along where they don't want to go. There is a verse in... Like many of you, I watched the debate the other night, and they were asked about mottos. And the one I wanted to hear was actually a King James Version of a proverb that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I don't think that's how it's translated, but that's how I remember it. And I think that's the way it should be remembered, is that where there is no vision, the people perish. But where there is vision, my addition, the people thrive. So if you can get over this having to bring folks along and just get focused on that passion of what it is that God is calling you to do. Notice Jesus first starts as an individual and notice who is not here. His family is not here. We never hear about so-and-so who was Jesus' boyhood friend. Jesus' buddy from the third grade. Jesus' Cousin, Jesus' family comes around, but it's long after he's gone, dead and raised. In fact, they tried to shut him down because they said he was crazy. And if he would have tried to bring him all along, well, we never would have heard about him. But he probably would have lived a lot longer. Jesus has the choice. And yes, you may not like it, but I don't like it. You may not like people in the church. I don't like all of you either. 
You may not like the pastor. Many days, I don't like me either. But it's about calling. It's about vocation. It's about God saying, this is who I need you to become. This is your part in the story. And to invite others along that way. Because all those people from his hometown didn't go with him. All his childhood friends didn't go with him. His family didn't go with him. But Jesus went, and guess what? He found a lot of others who were getting that same vision, that same calling, that same passion. And here we are, trying to go with him, trying to go forward, trying to put aside the desire for comfort. And when comfort becomes a value, that's when empires fall. That's what happened in Rome. Trying to put aside the desire to be special, to get likes on Facebook, to have social media think you're great, to have people think you're great. To think you need to be great to be beloved. We're trying to put that aside. We're trying to go forward. And we realize that it's hard and it may take hard decisions. There's a story that on the way to the Canary Islands, uh, Columbus had a problem. The Pinta's rudder broke down and several of the crew seemed to have trouble fixing it. And after several days, Columbus began to sense that, well, this might be an effort to sort of sabotage the whole venture. Everybody's sort of passion kind of waned and Columbus was just kind of aware of it. So he wrote in his log, I see that I'm going to have to accept what I cannot control. And so he told them he was going to leave them and he told them where he was going and hopefully they'd catch up. And then guess what? They did, but they had to get left first. Not everybody will go, but you'll find a whole lot of people who want what you want. And it's not me to come here and tell you what it is God's calling you to do, what city God's calling you to go to, what journey it is. It's me to make sure that I don't tie my rope to you and hang over the side saying, oh, because Macklin's not in trouble. We're doing just fine because God is alive and well and calling us. For a kingdom that is bigger than our own. And where we have vision, the people will thrive. Go through the desert. Tell that devil's voice to get the heck out of here because you are a beloved child of God and you've got stuff to do. Let us pray. God, moving us in a fiery way, overcome our apathy so that we might get your sense of calling and find that there are a whole lot of people who are on fire for the same vision that we've got. Though it may come in different dreams and different ways, we'll find that our promised land is the journey, the journey of possibility of what might be. So God, it is for your kingdom, not our own, that we have gathered. And we lift our voices praying as we were taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.